Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. This is Walker Tax. You're listening to Concerts That Made Us.
Walker Tex, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thank you very much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. First off, I have to say, it's one of the coolest names I've had appear on the podcast now. I have to give you props for that one. <laughs> it's a name that has sat right with me some weeks and has haunted my dreams other <laughs> weeks. Um, but yeah, like oh, I'm glad you like it. Uh, I kind of came up with a name before I came up with what style I was kind of going for music wise. But uh, I think it's there's a lot of obvious uh, connotations that come with a with a name like Walker Tex, I guess. So I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the the history behind it. So there's the obvious Walker Texas Ranger, which we all know and love. I I should hope. And then there's a couple of older musicians, definitely in the country space. Like uh, Tex Ritter was one. Um, these guys were all yodelers and and crooner kind of style in the country scene. So it, it kind of made sense. And more looked into it. And of course, my middle name is actually Walker. And uh, so there was a lot of signs. The universe was pointing towards it. You know, <laughs> right? Have to be that one. So. It's lucky you went into the country genre now, because I couldn't imagine like a black metal Walker Tex or anything, you know. <laughs> I, I remember back to my metal days and uh, we had some, I can't even remember the names. We had some silly, silly <laughs> names going back then. I was like, I'm not even carrying them forward. No, we're, we're better <laughs> than that now. <laughs> oh, I could imagine. I could imagine. <laughs> so um, you released Glasgow Grey on the 4th of September. What can you tell us about it? So, yeah, Glasgow Grey was, I, I was having a, a conversation with a, a good buddy of mine, a fellow musician from here in Dublin called uh, Keenan Flannery, and he's he's a brilliant songwriter, and I take a lot of inspiration from him, but I was uh, I was heading to Edinburgh, where I had lived, and we were discussing, like, it's, it's kind of, I don't really like going back to Scotland, and I'm from Glasgow originally, but he said, use that like try and try and build a story and and put that into your songwriting so i decided to to kind of how would i how would i describe the story of what i was running from where i was going and glasgow seemed to be the obvious place to write about my experience of like living there was like i lived in in a few states there and uh moving on from from glasgow I found myself in uh, in Northern Ireland of all places, so I, I spent a lot of time in uh, around Belfast, and I went to school there as well. Um, so I put a lot of that into into my writing. But to me, Glasgow is a place where you've got a lot of trouble with with addiction. You know, it's it's known mm. for certain things. It's known for for its uh, for its golden brown, its heroin, and it's known for its violence. I think it was a murder capital of Europe. Uh, not a title you kind of want for your city at any stage. No, I have to admit, when I hear the word Glasgow, the first thing I think of is a Glasgow smile. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's, all, there's all these negatives. I mean, there's. I think the biggest to to describe the the mentality of people in Glasgow is like they'll they'll stab you, but they'll be polite enough to give you directions to the hospital. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I figured I, I would write about how I personally found Glasgow, and I think I I I done a post on Instagram recently where I do explain like, look. I am in no way slating Glasgow with this song. I like I'm sure the place is lovely. This is just my personal experience of coming from there and the things I saw. And then as as the song progresses, certainly the things I saw in in the early 90s and growing up in, in Belfast at a very volatile time. So I figured I'd, I'd put that in. And for me, it was about escaping. It was about this journey of kind of moving away and that reluctance to look back but looking forward and growing so hopefully that comes across in the song um but that that's where we that's where i, I kind of went with it in terms of looking at inwards and trying to put it on paper yeah geez you uh you kind of went from bad to worse though didn't you glasgow to to northern ireland like <laughs> <laughs> again we should say for any listeners belfast is a great place for tourists i don't want to get in any bother it but is it, now yeah <laughs> But yeah, like growing up, growing up there in in the nineties, it's uh, I don't I don't talk about it too much. Um, but I I lived in in the city, and although most of the the troubles in terms of what the media were showing had appeared to be behind, it was uh certainly weird. I mean, you'd be positions where you're on a train and the train stops, and it's like there's a suspicious package on the line. We're gonna wait here a while, and I'm like nobody seems to be bothered by this, you know. It just that was that was the way of life. Like I remember, uh, like people checking under their cars when they were going to work in the mornings, and like just mad, mad stuff that is looking back completely insane, but was completely a part of everyday life. And uh, yeah, I just figured I'll, I'll write about that. And then obviously the religious divide. So there's this one line in, in Glasgow Grey where I watched religion split its separate ways, and that was my that was my take on 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 Northern Ireland. It's it's one of those places volatile where religions unfortunately kind of split it down the middle for whatever reasons. And I didn't want to get too far into it. I have this great belief in life that you should never talk. Uh, Never talk politics or religion, you know. Mm. But, <laughs> but I think I just I just opened the the window a little bit and we're like, look, I know it's there, and I'll sing about it here. But we're not gonna we're not gonna dive into it too much in the song. So, but yeah, I, I would agree. Bad to worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. With a background like that, then you must never run out of inspiration. Typically, how would you approach songwriting then? So it, it's changed over the years. Like I never. Like I, I suppose it's sort of a cliche. I never saw myself as a as a songwriter, and it just kind of happened organically. And again, leaning on the the folks around me, who who were further on in their music careers um, and had been doing it longer, they always kind of pushed and like get your storytelling down. There's stories to be told here, and um, definitely like you've said, there's there's a lot of inspiration to be drawn, and certainly for. The darker kind of style if, if I go down that road um I approach it you kind of think about the subject matter or depending on what's on my mind that day and I know a lot of musicians say like you could be sitting on a bus you could be do, just going about your day and something will hit you and you'll get this line and you'll write it down and you'll chase it so I, I tend to approach it where the lyrics kind of come first and then I look at a few chord progressions that I might have had in, in my back pocket 
and you're tra- I try and shoehorn it. And every every musician's got a different process, but that's that's how I've been doing it to date. Kind of lyrics first, and then the music is is second. And then I work with a, a good friend of mine who produces all the music, Malleus and Castapes. And we kind of sit down together and think what sounds are really going to go well. And we look at what sounds going to actually like convey the narrative within your lyrics as well, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that's my approach right or wrong. It's not for me to decide one <laughs> for sticking the rules, but I'm, I'm constantly I hear from, from friends and musicians on their process as well. And we're always, I'll try it. Yeah. And it always seems to be just, this is, this is the way I always end up back with. So. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, this is it. I'm open. To, I'm open to any help I can get as well out there, folks. So feel free to reach out, take my hand, and tell me how it should be done. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, when it comes to making new music, then what part do you most enjoy? What do you really look forward to diving into? I think it's it's that first time where where I sit down and just kind of hum hum out the melody. And then you get a feel for, oh, that lyric's going to go well with these chords. And the first time you've ran through it all together, I think that's my favorite moment because that's the purest moment. You know, that's where it's been truly done in that moment. Anything after that, you're trying to emulate and recreate that first inception of the song. That's that's the easiest way I can describe it. So I think that's the whole process is I, I enjoy every aspect of it from from beginning to end, from the designs of artwork to the choosing instruments and playing with every instrument to see if it works, it's it's always a blast. Um, even working with other other people on certain songs is always fun. You always learn something. I think for me, it, it, the purest moment and, and favorite is that first. Oh, that sounds good. We're going to progress this. You made me think of something there. Now I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. If you're approaching a song like that, how do you know when it's done? How do you know when it's time to walk away and leave it? You don't. I've had many <laughs> debates. And I hear, I've, I've seen a lot of musicians' interviews as well, so I know I'm not the only one. It seems to be a trend in the industry where you never really know, but you have that point where you're like, I have to walk away and just let it go now and let it get released. So there's been times where we've spent a day on a song and we've been like that sounds really good and then we'll we'll get every all the work done on it together and then a couple of weeks will go by and you might have learned a new a new way to throw your voice or a new chord or something like oh that would have fitted in just nice i have to rely on someone else to tell me not to to go back and and then open up the can, the can of worms all over again so again it's it's a tough one you never truly know you just hope and I know a lot of, I used to work in sales um, and I, I remember a lot of previous bosses telling me hope is not a strategy in, in sales. And I think, well, hope is a strategy because you can only hope for the best. And, <laughs> oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go my way. <laughs> oh man. And you know, if someone was to look at your career as it stands now from start to finish, go through your music, is there any specific themes or messages that pop up that you like to convey? I think I'm I'm very uh I'm very flattered that you call it a career because it's <laughs> it's felt far from it. Um I think it's it's a tough one to kind of put on. When I started out, like I've I've been playing music all my days, like younger days, it was all the punk rock and that 
was what was started and I always had this like weirdly enough I always had this strange infatuation with country music as well and not even the cool country music you know like of course you've got your Johnny Cash's in there but I was like Conway Twitty and all them <laughs> you know what I mean so I'm not like you can you can listen to Slayer and then you stick on the Conway album at a house party you know and people start <laughs> their heads, what is going on here um yeah it's to, to define it as a career I, I don't know it's it's a tough one <laughs> <laughs> right right and uh i suppose we'll we'll dive into into some early influences then to see where you come from we'll start off with a kind of tough one now can you remember your earliest musical memory i can yeah um so in the uh the very very early 90s um uh, uh an aunt of mine had uh she had three boys on her side of the family and they were all going through their grunge phase and uh early 90s grunge has really taken off the earliest song i kind of remember hearing was a uh, black hole sun um by soundgarden i remember hearing that so that that was one of the earliest ones the second earliest was brian adams every time i do i do it for you and there's there's footage out there that will surface someday of me playing that song with a tennis racket and trying to sing um, as a very very young child. <laughs> those are those are me those are my earliest two that I can remember, and from there it just kind of sparked. My mom is very very open uh, musically, so there was always music around the house, and it would range from from country to new romantic stuff that came out of the UK. The, the American side of, of things as well. There was just this kind of very open-minded approach to music when I was growing up, which I loved. At that stage then, what sparked the passion for music in you and made you want to become a musician? Again, it was seeing the, seeing the guitars on, on the walls when I remember hearing the, the Soundgarden one up at my aunt's house and she bought her she bought the boys all matching a kind of Stratocasters. Was it the black and white Stratocasters were big at the time? And uh, I remember one of them let me let me kind of hold it. And of course, I'm, I'm tiny, like a couple of years old, trying to balance a Stratocaster. And I just I think it kind of always stuck with me. And then the the fact that we were always listening to music and there was always kind of any live music event that that anyone was going to, just seeing the the feelings they got from coming back from from a concert and then as I grew older I mean, getting to see my first kind of live concert someone playing a guitar and at the house it just gave me this this kind of feeling of like that I'd like to try and make that sort of connection with people and, and play music so I think it was always there from an early age and it didn't really like most I didn't really get my first instrument until I was hitting the the rebellious teenage years from there it sparked and for years it, it was just kind of is this a hobby is it not and it was only in the last couple of years i really decided to i'm gonna i'm gonna really push for this again um i don't know when i was younger but i think it was one of those everybody's doing it it's it's what you do and then i I'd not given it up for a while but i'd kind of taken a back seat and then sparked it up again and certainly in the last few years hmm. and something dying to know now is how does a rock punk metal guy turn into a country musician there's only like there's only so much 
Slipknot, Lamb of God, and Metallica you can listen to of a day. You need <laughs> something to bring you down of an evening. And there's nothing better than a bit of country music. And I think the darker side of country music always attracted me from the stories of the artists, like on and off the stage. It was just these these guys are just outlaws through and through. And I always have this like I was I was a kind of always wanted to be a cowboy when I was very young, you know. So it's kind of always going to lean towards those those harmonica sounds and the old pedal steels and the sounds of the Wild West as as we know them through film and television, I guess. Right, I like it. I like it. And, you know, not to be offensive now, but I've heard people say that it's easier to be a country musician than a rock musician or a pop musician. You know, that it's not that hard to come up with lyrics or to play the guitar to a country tune. What are your thoughts on it? So I would agree to an extent, right? And that's where it gets down to, okay, so I have I've had some songs that are very basic and you're you're looking at the style of Woody Guthrie and, and those types of guys. So your three chords and the truth, I think, is the big thing, that, the big conversation that comes out of country music. There's, there's more to it where if you're going to write a song and you're only going to use two chords, you really need to think about how the other instruments are going to come into that and how your lyrics are going to incorporate. So most of the stuff I sing, like I know there's a lot of country musicians out there and certainly in the pop country realm where it's, do you sing about beer, trucks, small towns and kissing your girl down by the, down by the cornfields? You know, you've got those, those tick boxes that have to be added into to the lyrics to make it in the, the country pop realm. Whereas the outlaw stuff is more, singing from a place of darkness more than anything you're singing about real kind of life issues so i like like i say i agree to an extent but i think going back to the point of if you're only going to use a couple of chords take a not a country song but let's take rhiannon by uh, fleetwood mac there's only two chords in that song but you would never know it because there's so much else going on there's such a big uh, music scape, I guess, is uh, maybe the, the closest phrase I can get to that goes on in the background of that song that just builds it up so much bigger. But when you strip everything away, you're left with those two chords. So it it depends how involved in the process you get into. Like, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think I'd ever dive into the, the likes of the pop country stuff because it is very much a uh, these are your four chords. You're going to play them to death and you're going to change your melody, but you're also going to have to add in these keywords. And it's it's manufactured as pop normally is. I think it's getting different now. With a, There's a few people floating around where I've seen them break into that popular realm, um, but they're still doing it kind of very differently. So, yeah, like I'd, I'd agree it can be easier to, to write one, but it depends. Are you writing for... The, the popular approval or you're writing from the heart you know it's a good way to look at it it's funny that you should verge on that or at the end all right because i was going to ask what do you think of guys like morgan wallen and everything that are kind of bringing country back into the forefront and into the popular realm they definitely i mean first off there's no doubt that these folks do have talent i mean we're talking about great singers and I guess millions and millions of people can't all be wrong. It's it's just it's so and and I'll be honest, some of their stuff I will I will listen to, um, and others I'll categorically be that that's not for me. I do like the idea that they're bringing that 
kind of popularity back to country music um, because it does pave the way and open the door to to other more unknown acts and those smaller kind of the more outlaw and the darker stuff as well it's it's that kind of segue in so i think it ha- it has its positive place i think like it, i think i was reading we're at a stage now where there is it the top four in the billboard right now are all country songs like in the, and and this was like over the, over the summer as well there was this kind of trend towards that popular country guys getting in there so I think it opens it opens it opens that door. I think to other subgenres and and that's a whole other world you can get lost in with music. So <laughs> like look at new metal was popularized back in the early two thousands. Like it was it was getting into the charts. Um, so I think there's always room for these people and you know, kicking down that door and then us sneaking in at the back. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the way I see it, and, and the hope is that we do we do get there and success is different for everyone some people are fighting for for that major stardom and others just want to earn a living and make a connection with people along the way some strictly just want to make a connection and have another and just live live that quiet life so it, it depends what you're after true true and you know ireland specifically then what's your thoughts on the current state of the music industry as someone trying to break into the industry See, I have the unenviable position of trying to break in within Ireland and not being from Ireland. So <laughs> I have a very, have a very different hill to climb. I think um, when I when I first started uh, reaching out to to radio stations in the in the country space, I found that it was very it was very strict. It was they wanted to kind of tell you that oh, it has to be in this kind of waltz kind of time it has to be within this certain um bpm you have to be able to line dance to it there's a there's a lot of rules i found with the irish country <laughs> scene if you're trying to break into it um and and there again everybody has their 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 talent in there i think when it came to reaching out to radio stations it was very few and far between and then again you are doing country and i think certainly what i find here in dublin is there's a very openness to music. Ireland's a great country to be doing music because it's full of poets and lyricists, similar to Scotland. And that's that's why I like kind of living here in Ireland. But I do find there's a lot of gatekeepers, um, a lot of egos with, with younger bands as well. And maybe that's just me showing my age. But I do find that that ego is there. I think it's it's about making relationships as well. Once you once you meet someone in person and say you've been trying to get on the radio show or trying to book a gig somewhere, when you meet them in person, it's a whole different dynamic. When you just send an email and your track, I think it comes across like you're you're waiting on that handout. There's definitely work to be made, you know. Like I, I changed my perception in the earlier days of trying to make connections through email and not getting anywhere. It was starting to get frustrated and then I was like you know what I need to get off my ass I need to go out there and and meet these people and show them like I'm I'm fairly serious of, about what I'm trying to do here um and since doing that it's it's kind of been been good and the biggest resolu- revolution came in in the summer when I got to play a, a a nice show in a popular spot here in in Dublin city so it was a a long time coming but yeah my my opinion has changed it went from from negative to nobody likes me to it's it's gonna be all right like there's there's a way of doing it and it's about meeting people i think and yeah showing them who you are and telling your story 
you have to put yourself out there. Exactly, exactly. And as well as harder to say no to someone face to face, you know? <laughs> There's always that as well. I mean, I stand at six foot and wear a hat and have tattoos all over me. I think I'm, I'm in the camp if it's going to be tough to tell this guy to get F off. <laughs> and being a persistent ex-salesman, I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's concerts that made us, so I have to ask you, as a concert goer, what concerts have made you? So the first the first concert I ever went to, first off, was Slipknot up in Belfast way back when. Right. It, that was back in my new metal days, and it just blew me away. I'd never seen something so aggressive kind of come out. Um, so that, that really was eye-opening, and you're seeing a, a large group of people on stage as well. Um, you know, they ruled like back in the day. They, they, I know they still wear their masks. Back in the day, it was like they were talking the boiler suit and mask, and that was pretty much it. Um, and they could just captivate. They could hold. They could get a crowd bouncing. They could get a crowd screaming. It was that that connection. Seeing someone be able to not command a room, but be able to connect with that many people all at the same time. So I, that was my first like eye opening experience. And then I started, uh, Metallic had done a run, I don't know if you remember, down here uh, in around 06. um, They'd done, like, every year they were kind of coming back for a couple of years there. Mm. I went to their shows, and again, it was just phenomenal to see and hear and and every aspect of it from the guys that come out and test the sound to to Metallica and, and the lads coming out and playing that that first riff they come out to ecstasy of gold as well and just oh it just it gets you you know (laughs) (laughs) it's just just, a complete experience like it is it's there's certain like a lot of people say like they talk about gigs and then i i talk about shows because there's a gig where you're just playing and then there's a show where you're putting a show and you're giving every piece of yourself into every track and and every guitar hook you have i think there's something very very passionate it's something very although it's very heavy aggressive music there's a vulnerability in getting up there and pouring your heart out no matter the genre of music um so to me those would be the the ones i think that that string metallic ones of course i got to see a bunch of other artists when they came through town they brought the the best with them so it was always a good show Mm, yeah those were the days if only to do it again yeah those were the days i think uh between ticket prices and yeah dwindling uh dwindling habits and stuff it's 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 kind of sad to see your your heroes go through that like the biggest like looking at where motley crew are now and, and losing kind of Mick Mars like walking away from the equation and stuff. And you see that you start to see that glimpse of the business side of music industry. And I think that's where you're, you kind of think, well, what am I actually doing this for here? Am I doing it for, for, to get that far or am I trying to find that happy medium? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It'd be definitely the happy medium anyway. Time. If I can support me and mine and stay just under the radar enough, then I'll, I'll keep going. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to my music. Don't make me famous. In other words, exactly. Yeah, that, that's my tagline. <laughs> but don't listen too much. <laughs> oh, and you know, 
I'm looking forward to hearing about this now. For any listeners that haven't caught one of your shows, I know you mentioned one that happened in Dublin over the summer. We'll hear about that in a bit. But what can they expect? So I was I was throwing a good a good cover. I normally start off with with a cover and a lay into the the secret of of why I started that way. It's to get the voice going. So, uh, like I know if I, if I'm playing my own own song, it would break my heart if I started and my voice wasn't up to par. But if I'm playing someone else's and I mess it up, and kind of I can recover from that a bit better. Maybe that's, that's a good one, actually. Yeah. But, I can recover from that a lot better. Um, so I'll start out with a nice little, uh, nice little cover. The the show we done uh, recently started out with Kate McCannon by Calder Wall, which is a a beautiful murder ballad favorite of mine. But I I tend to dress my show up as an, an emotional kind of roller coaster, but in a fun way. I wanna I wanna take everyone in that room on a journey. I wanna take them through the good, the bad, the ugly. I want to make them happy. I want to make them feel sadness. I want to make every human emotion kind of come out on on the night. So I try and arrange the set list in in such a way where I can do that. Um, if I'm playing with buddies of mine and I know they're they've got kind of happier tunes, I'll end on a sad note on the basis that my buddy, if, if, like I played with Copper and Keenan, um, and Copper was coming up after me, and he's. Clean Cut Cowboy is his nickname. So I knew his songs <laughs> were going to be a lot more upbeat. So I think I ended on, on that downer, but I made him promise the, 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 the lads in the room there and then everyone that came along that Copper will bring you up. So don't dwell on this sadness too long. <laughs> I promise you it'll pass. <laughs> so it depends as well. And you gauge it from, from the reaction of the audience, what, whether you're going to change out a song from your set and what, what the next kind of twist in that roller coaster is going to be. Now we can dive into that show. Tell us all about it. How exactly? It was in Fibber McGee's, wasn't it? Mm. It was in Whelan's. Uh, oh, Whelan's, yes. Yeah. So uh, me and uh, me, Keenan Copper had been dressing, playing around with this idea. Keenan sits more on the folk side of country. Um, and like I said, Copper's very much clean cut. Your your George Joneses, your, your Merle Haggards. I say clean cut, but all these guys were never clean cut. <laughs> Sound wise, you know what I mean? Yeah. We had this idea that we wanted to put on a country show and we'd, we'd certainly been trying with different um, different bookers to to get on, on different places around the town. We're like, you know what? A tour manager would, would do it themselves. Like, how do they do it? And we kind of looked at it. So we took the approach of booking out the room and uh, we played Little Wheelings, by the way, so it's it's not the the big main bells and whistles, but still notable um, for for Dublin. Um, so we booked the room, and we decided let's make this an experience. So we got in some little nice cards for to put on the tables, and we dressed up the stage a little bit, and really started getting to thinking how we'll we'll do a show and what way we do it. That was that was at its at its core, and then from there, it really just. And it took off and we actually ended up selling it out, um, which was totally surprising. Um, I'm not saying we're, we're bad musicians, <laughs> 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 if I wrong, but you're never expecting to, to sell out. And certainly at the, at the stage I'm operating, like any anything over 15, 20 people showing up to, to a show at this stage is, is amazing. So it was really again when we when we talk about that that turning point in terms of the Irish music industry 
for me, I think that was it. Seeing the the effort we put into promoting it, Keenan's manager uh, Nads put a lot of effort into to helping us out and setting up all the, the things behind the scenes. That we had folks on the night that were passing by and just popped in to see if they could. We'd seen the poster outside, thought they'd pop in. We had American tourists there. We had such a good range of family, friends, and just people who who had seen and, and took a quick listen on, on the streaming platforms and thought they would get a ticket and come in. So it was really, it was a great experience. We had everyone singing, there was dancing. Like we we surprised people with a, a raffle halfway through the show. We didn't <laughs> very old school techniques in there, but we wanted, <laughs> we wanted it to be different um, as well. But uh, it was a really, really good experience. I'd imagine it's one of the most perfect gigs though, when you're, you know, you've organized it yourself with your friends and then you're such good friends. You're playing together, you know, was there any stage where you all jumped up and did a medley or anything? We did. So at the, at the end of the show, we, um we came down off the, the, the little stage and, and stood in the middle of the room and we sang a Fraulein, um, which is an old kind of folk song. Again, it's, Coulter Wall and uh, Tyler Childers had had covered it, and a lot of artists have done it over the years. So the three of us, we we'd agreed very. I think it was like the week before we had one session, and we're like, let's see if we can play this because we have to play it next week and go out with a finish. And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't doing well. Compared <laughs> 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 to the other two, I hadn't played with other musicians for for quite some time. I was very much isolated on my own and kind of adding bits in here and there. So. We got through it and uh, it worked well. The the crowd was singing along as well. Um, but uh, that that was a really nice experience. And I think you, you mentioned there, like our friendship, I think if it had been just another Walker, Texas supporting and, and that sort of thing, I wouldn't, it's hard to get that camaraderie on the night. You know, it's a gamble. Are you going to click with the artist you're supporting if you've never met them before? Whereas with us, we had that history. We had that friendship and that connection. I think, that's what made it all the more special to me was getting to play that show with with some really good friends who accepted me into into their their hearts and minds and their their little piece of the Irish music scene, you know. Yeah, yeah. And for any of any listeners outside of Ireland, you know, Little Whelan's is a major stepping stone on the roadmap of venues in Ireland. So now that you've conquered that, are you going to do another one there? Are you looking to somewhere bigger? We're, we are looking at replicating um, the show, changing it ever so slightly. So I'd say like set lists will will change. Um, we are planning, and I mean, when I say planning, I'm talking out of turn because it's so early. Uh, Keenan's just back from a, a brief US, a US tour. Um, so the, the planning, the idea is we, we're going to aim for sometime in December now. Whether that happens, and I know this is being recorded, like I fully expect someone to throw it back at me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we are we're in the very early stages of planning. We do we do want to do it again, and we are hoping to do one by the end of the year. If not, forgive us. We will get our asses in check and let everyone know when we are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You guys have to bring that on the road, like and hit major towns around Ireland. It's a small country, I know, but you know, yeah. there's. You know, it would go down very well. We we have that we had that uh 
that um that notion um w- w- when we when we played it um and it it is something we're we're looking into as well so i think you, you wouldn't be far off the the mark now if we were able to to do that um and do a, a short string around ireland it's like you say ireland it's, it's not the biggest place so it would be handy enough to do and because we're we're all fairly we're not big bands <laughs> and we're going to all just us and our guitars and, and take us take us as we are so yeah. it would be very much doable so I'd, I'd i'd love to i'd love to get to that stage and i think it's, it's definitely in its again it's early stages of uh of inception now good hair good hair and you know i always say we hear about the good times we have to hear about the bad times is there a gig you would say was the worst experience and how did you deal with it there's, there's one i remember from uh years and years ago now i was a teenager so and it's totally it's so far back in the history books but it, it stuck with me so um i was in a, a, a i guess an, an acoustic emo style band way back right. Early two thousands, and uh, me and my my best friend at the time were uh, we're just playing and we're re- recording on just a like a dictaphone almost back then, you know, like real rustic <laughs> old school. And uh, he managed to get us this this gig, and um, I was like, okay, that's great. And it was it was in like a coffee house, it was that kind of style. And um, there was another few artists playing, but it was it was a big deal to us at the time. We were around like seventeen, um. So it was our, our first kind of time playing in front of people. So the nerves are high and stuff. It was a very nervous uh, youngster. I've since shaken off that nervousness and anxiety. But um, I remember a couple of days before he told me that he was going to he was going to Florida with the family. I was like, what about the gig? Because you're going to have to play it yourself, man. We can't back out. Oh, man. We're not backing out. You're backing out and leaving me high and dry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're sending me to the wolves. Like I don't even like. I I wasn't the singer. It was it was the biggest thing. Like I didn't sing back then. I just played guitar and and that was it. So I knew what I was doing. I didn't even know if I could sing and play guitar. My my mind just. I wasn't a, I wasn't a multitasker back then. <laughs> I didn't have that skill. So uh, I just like I had to dive into it anyway. So. Yeah, I went down to the gig and I think I ended up only playing covers. I was that nervous. So I'd, I think I played the weirdest, the weirdest covers as well. We were like an emo pop punk style thing. And a few of our friends had had heard some of the stuff we were attempting to do and they were they were excited and they were very disappointed on the night when they showed up and I couldn't play any of our own material. Like oh, I man. love cats by the cure. I butchered it man i really really butchered it it was almost unreal it was like i put effort into trying to butcher it it was that bad. <laughs> um i've done another couple um i can't even remember i think it was like a taken back sunday song i tried and like like i said i was not a singer so it was trying to trying to play and sing at the same time was just bad i remember coming off and i was like i just i just went and took my seat and just shut up and didn't even look sideways at anyone like my friends were kind of like look you've done it that's all that matters and i was like oh yeah yeah it's fine it's fine <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the worst experience but i guess i got it out of my system early <laughs> yeah yeah you don't want better than me you actually reminded me of when i was a, a teenager and i had joined a band with a, a friend of mine and 
he booked a show. We'd had two practices. He booked a show in like the town hall in the town mm. I was from. And a week before the gig, gave me a list of like nine songs. It was a short set, nine songs to learn. And uh, the night before, so the gig was on the Saturday night, the Friday night, he calls my house and says, yeah, I've scrapped that. And here's nine new songs that you have to learn within like 20 hours. And these songs were like, I'd never even attempted to play them before. So uh, you had bigger balls than me because I literally turned off my phone and just ghosted them that day and didn't even go near the gig. <laughs> I wish, I wish I, I, I had done that all those years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big challenge though. Having like, having to learn, God, you, like even even if someone came to me and said these free songs I need you to learn them by Friday, like that's that's still a challenge to me. Like if it's not ones I know, I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle, and I like to spend a couple of weeks getting comfortable with songs. Yeah, like, gotta do them and any justice. Gee, yeah, some some horror stories from from a lot of musicians out there in the early days. Like remember like all of the bands and stuff where we hadn't the, the, we got we got a slot on a battle of the bands. But we had to play an original and then it was like well it's it's for uh it's like a metal battle of the bands i'm like we're we're acoustic and how are we doing this we had to go and enlist a friend who we knew was amazing at guitar so we were around at his house the night before and he's like what if we just use this riff and matt starts singing and then we get this little bit going and i'm there like i learned the riff we got up on stage and we never occurred to us that we didn't have an ending to that song so at some point I just I had to just stop playing and turn to turn to the other guitarist and the drummer and be like, yeah, just cut it, man. Like, we didn't, we did not think about this at all. Man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's important to put them endings in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's important to know when your song is gonna end when you're playing with other musicians. Just a slight minor detail you need to have in there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm um, you know, your shows nowadays, then before you go on stage, how do you psych yourself up? And then afterwards, how do you uh, how do you wind down? So. To to psych myself up beforehand, so I'm still one of those like uh, I still get those nerves, but I know. From doing it so long that I'm going to do it anyway, and I'll fit into it. So for me, the the point where I shake off the nerves, like I'll go and have a do a vocal warm-up and I'll practice maybe the set. Um, if, I, if I can and have time, I'll run through what the set's potentially going to be. Um, and then when I'm at the venue, where I really begin to calm down is after sound check. Because I try and like sound check, I'll run through a couple of songs and I get the feel for the room and what sort of sound it's going to be. And and I think for me, that's been my, my ritual going forward. It's not... 100% foolproof because not every venue is going to allow you to do a sound check. Sometimes you're thrown to the flames and that's it. So I've been lucky enough up till now where I've had a sound check. <laughs> that one day where it doesn't happen, maybe we should have another conversation and see how that one went. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> winding, winding down after a show is a whole other beast. Um like I'm not a I'm not a big drinker, so even like I'll obviously celebrate after a show, um. So it's kind of it just it's it's mainly me, Copper Keenan, and 
and that and the, the rest of us here just kind of that was an awesome show and we kind of talk about our highlights and just we we enjoy the moment i'm a firm believer in enjoying the moment and celebrating every success no matter how small or how large it may be so we'll have a little conversation about it and some some highs last longer than others you know mm. But uh, it's certainly a lot. Of, it's a lot harder to wind down after a night like that. I think that after Wheelands, we were so just amazed that, that that many people came and the reaction we got. I think I was still chatting to Copper at like four in the morning and in, in my flat here in Dublin, and like that was that was crazy. We never expected that, and we're so grateful. I think we we stuck around after and, and met a lot of people who had, who'd come in for the show and we got to hear their stories, where they're from and where they traveled from. And it was really, it was really nice. It was a pure kind of connection that we'd made. And that was the most important thing to us. Jeez, that gig just more, the more and more you say about it, it just, I, I think it's going to be hard to beat or hard to replicate. You know? it. <laughs> no, no, it's one of those with every now and again, you get that one that's like, but uh, I think that was the best. That's the peak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did. We did. Um, we recorded the show as well. So we're gonna. We definitely thought it was such a memorable event because all three of us got together. Like Copper lives down in, in Wexford, and Keenan's constantly all over the place with, with his music. Um, so for the three of us to be somewhere and actually do something like that was was such such a good experience. We're always, um. But definitely there's going to be a the, the video of the the night is going to be coming out on all our social medias i think again towards the end of the year once i get the time to edit and, and put it together um so we'll be able to, to kind of show why it why it meant so much to us and why it was so special there's a lot of screaming he has from the crowd <laughs> <laughs> those, those things that really make it like i think there's one one clip i put up on instagram and this guy done the loudest yell that it was almost, I was halfway through a whistle solo, which um, is still cool to do whistle solos, by the way. There's not enough of them in music. I must <laughs> <put that>. um, <laughs> but this guy was so loud, I had to stop halfway through and I was like so tempted to be like, I, I'm just going to stop my set. That guy needs to be up here doing this. Like I'm <laughs> not worthy anymore. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and you know, moving on then, how do you balance your personal life with the demands of being an artist? I'm a firm believer in trying to seek balance in life. Achieving it is a whole other dilemma. Um, I think it tr I try, like I'll allocate certain, certain time to, the, the music is such a big beast because you've got the business side, you've got the creation side, the songwriting side, the actual recording side and there's so many different pieces to that one puzzle so for me it's like time allocation is is very important but at the same time if i've got an idea that's really keeping me awake at night i have to write it down and, and try and progress it it is it is hard but for me it's just cutting up that time um something with winter coming up i normally allocate like on a, on a first day i'm going to record um, on a Friday, I'm going to do my my emails and and reach out to radios and, and playlists and different bits. And then Saturday and Sunday, Sunday and Monday are my days off from from music. Usually, I'll try and kind of keep it calm or keep it very light. I'll still do little bits on Instagram and maybe go for a hike or something. Um, but I find it's the balance is is 
it's okay right now and it, it depends on whether you're got gigs coming up whether you've got uh, a song that's taken too long to get to the end of production it just depends some days are, are better than others some weeks are better than others but it's definitely a case of being strict and being a being an adult unfortunately <laughs> uh, my calendar is always always full so i just i got to a point where i'm like i'm gonna have to keep myself in check and make sure i'm still enjoying life and like it's it's great being a musician but if you've if you're not enjoying life you've nothing to write about you know that's so a very have, good point you have to be experiencing things as you go hmm. and you know how do you engage with your fans then and what role do they play in your journey that's integral to to that that success category that I, that I have which is connecting with people I'm, I'm very open I'll always I chat to a lot of different creative folks who who enjoy the music um I'll always engage and I, I know a lot of photographers a lot of filmmakers um and some people that just really just dig music in general I'll always reach out and very open like if, if you have a track that you've listened to and you like and it's in it's in my kind of taste like send it on let's let's chat about it um if i have new music coming out like i'm i'm always afraid to spam people so i'm always kind of i, I, I try and avoid just uh hey it's like the, those those spammy dms or emails that you get like i don't send newsletters out or anything like that i just I haven't I, I don't know i haven't got there yet and I think it's as you're building a fan base, it's it's one of those things that will make it easier. But there's going to be a point where you lose that personal connection with folks. So for me right now, it's like a prime kind of stage to be at. I still have the benefit of being able to kind of talk to to a lot of people that enjoy the music, and I really, I really appreciate and like that that aspect of it. Yes, right, and you know. One of the things, one of the most obvious things about your music is you're a great guy for collaborations. Walk us through some of the highlights of the the collabs that you've done. The the biggest one was a collab that turned into a partnership, and that was with um, Malleus and Kostapis, who's a, a, a brilliant musician, brilliant creative mind, brilliant producer and uh, videographer based out in Georgia in the U.S., we um we met through Instagram. We had a, a conversation, and he, he told me he was wanting to dip into producing. Um, and we we done a, a cover way back when, and uh, it went well. And we started just working together, and that that's developed into the, the sound, the Walker Tech sound that you get. As much as it's me, it's every part Malleus in the background as well, behind the scenes doing a lot of work. He helps. We co-write together. We we decide what instruments we're putting in. We work on chord progressions together. We're very, very close in that regard. The recent collaboration was on Glasgow Grey, where it's seen I'd always wanted to have a proper pedal steel. And I have a lap steel in the, the home studio. I can't play. So, so <laughs> like, I, I can I can play a note here and there, but I can't I can't play it to the level I wanted to. And I, I came across Noah. Noah Faulkner on Instagram and TikTok and I was loving this old school sound that the, the kid had and I reached out and he was very excited to to work um, and I was like this is great so I sent him on a couple of demo versions of Glasgow Grey that we had and 
I think within a couple of days, he sent me back three different versions of pedal steel he had in mind for the song. And each one of them just blew us away. And it was just so nice to to have that and seeing how much he connected. Because I'm very open with a song as well. Like if I reach out to collaborate with someone, I want them to put their name on it. I want them to put their their mark on it, their style. I wouldn't be one to be kind of, you're going to play this and that's it. Like I don't ever want it that way. So having Noah brought in was a brilliant experience. Um, Malleus knew uh, a girl um, called Julia who is an amazing uh, violin player and she was kind enough to to lend a, lend her, her hand in the song as well and like the more the more we looked at it and listened to to what Noah and Julia were bringing to the table we were just this is such a beautiful collaboration I have another collaboration at the moment with a, a band called Down River that we're still finessing um, we hope to have that brought out very soon. And again, it's just it's always it's always been such a, a positive experience working with other people. And I love the fact that you can build you can build on a basic idea and other people can bring their creative element to just really blow the lid off it and make it something you never expected it to be. I think a lot of us had that mentality of like go where the song leads you. Um and and everyone everyone I've worked with today has been been doing that with with any collaboration. I work with Keenan and Copper fairly regularly, um, and again we we constantly mess around with different instruments. We constantly bring our own personal style into the songs, and we we collaborate on each other's stuff fairly often. We're really comfortable, so it's it's just that again going back to that connection is is the the core of it, you know. Mm. Does it ever get to the stage then when you're like, you know, I actually enjoy collaborating so much that I'd prefer to be in a band than be solo? I think it's for me, it's something I've toyed with. Like I've I'm going to be bringing on uh, a guitarist fairly soon um, and we're going to start working on stuff for the winter. I think I'm I'm certainly already in the process of doing that. Because a lot of the people collaborated with have their own thing going on, or likes of Noah and Julia, they're over there in the states. It's not feasible to kind of be booking shows and 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 taking it on the road. The more the more people you have, the higher your cost is when you try when you try and take it on a tour. So I think at this stage, it's it's just a nice happy medium. Um, I bring Mo on, like she's a a metal guitarist, and she really liked what what myself and Malias were doing. Um. So I think I'm definitely in that stage of building where we'll need, I'll need a, a drummer, I'll need a pedal steel player, I'll need someone there with harmonica, and I have these grand notions. Whether it materializes and grows that <laughs> or can be uh, be put to that level is another story. But uh, I I do feel it's getting to that stage, and personally, I have a lot of learning to do in, in playing with other people. Like I'm I'm terrible at keeping time, so right. when it comes to drums, like I am, I like really bad. For a musician at this stage, <laughs> and where I'm trying to get to, I'm really bad at it. So I think it's important to have that chemistry, and that's something you have to you have to build with another player as well. So it comes down to that balance of of time and and what you're what you're hoping to achieve, I guess. Mm. Kind of a nice segue as well. How would you like to evolve as an artist? You know, what would Walker Text be like in say five years' time? I think. I think in five years, 
wishful thinking, I would love to know when a track is finished. So I think that, that would be, if I could be if I could get to that stage and have that secret sauce in my pocket, I think that would that would be amazing. Um, but I think in five in five years' time, we're certainly we're certainly going to see a, a transition to a much more honed sound. Like these first couple of years have been really about me flexing the songwriting muscle and taking a lot of inspiration from those around me and learning a lot. And I'll always be continuously learning in life to think in, in five years time, I'd like to be very comfortable with my vocal ability, very comfortable in my songwriting ability and just gain more confidence than I have at the moment, I guess. But definitely have that. I know what sound I can go for. And then I know I'm, I'm comfortable deviating and kind of bending genre a bit as well, you know. Mm. I like it. I like it. And before we dive into the last few questions, then future plans that are set in stone. Is there anything for the rest of the year that you can share with us? Or So in terms of the rest of the year, I. I am working on. So I'm finishing up what we were calling Walker Techs and the Wild West tour. And it was a the kind of concept of an album of taking people on this journey through the sounds of the Wild West and kind of the sounds that are coming out of the the Walker Techs kind of name. Um, so that's going to be coming by the end of the year. I'm also working on another EP, which is much more much more rustic, much more stripped back, where it's only going to be those those acoustic sounds because there's a lot, there's some Rhodes organs in there's some like big sort of pedal steel swell, some distorted guitars and some of the stuff I've put out to date. By the end of winter for the the, the newest EP I'm working on, I want that to just be very much a, a very stripped back. We're talking like wooden cabin, just the guitar and a stomp and a clap, you know, the, that, that rustic sound. So that's, that's what's definitely coming down the line. I have the first uh, three tracks um, pretty much, nailed down on what I'm going to do for that. And we're literally, uh, I just got a couple of kind of rough versions back from what me and Malleus are, are kind of shaping the, the first one up to be this morning. And it's sounding on point to where I want it to be. So that'll be, a, that'll be coming. Um, there will hopefully be a few shows, but we said set in stone, right? So there's, <laughs> they're not set in stone, unfortunately, but I think the, the two EPs are definitely set in stone. Um, there is an announcement coming um potentially october and november but uh i can't i can only keep you in suspense i'm afraid <laughs> right <laughs> it'll have to do so <laughs> Jeez, two, two eps you really like to keep yourself busy don't you this is because it took me so long to get the first one done so <laughs> don't give me any don't give me any any credit there it just took me so long to get one done and start getting the, the train rolling and in the background, I've been dipping in and out and then, as always, writing. And it's just the ones, the other ones I had written, I had these these ideas come all at once. And when I kind of demoed them out, I was like, they don't suit the the first EP. But there's there's certainly enough there to show that transition and really take people on, on a journey, which is what I want to do throughout this. As, as much as it's my journey, I want this to be anyone who listens. I want them to be on that journey, too, you know. Mm, I got you. I got you. Well, I'll uh, I'll personally be looking forward to seeing what they're like anyway. And uh, 
we'll dive into the last couple. So these are a couple of odd random ones, but I'm intrigued to see your answers. If you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Oh, that is so tough. <laughs> <laughs> that is so tough. I think I would have to go with, uh, I'd have to go with Nirvana. I'd have to go with Kurt Cobain being up there. Nice. Yeah, yeah I think that would be it for me. The the, the 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 unplugged, like New York style one. You don't, yeah, it would, it would be that kind of vibe. That'd be pretty cool. All right. And if you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Any, any musician from history. See, if I have to spend 24 hours, I don't want it to be one of the ones who was like rattling on the pills and, you know, like <laughs> I want it to be a fairly sane yeah. <laughs> or someone at the latter stages of the career. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, 24 hours of a musician. I'd go for, I would have to go for likes of a a Willie Nelson or Johnny Cash, I think. I would find it hard to narrow the two down. Mm. The reason being is they've kind of, they had, like, I know Willie Nelson still around, but Johnny Cash had been around so long, and both both of them came from a a crooner side of country and then developed into outlaws and then progressed into just amazing songwriters, storytellers, and artists, so... It would be a, it'd be one of those. And I think if I was really stuck, I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably go for Willie Nelson. For uh, he's always got some fun tricks in that bag of his. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, the two of them, though, they're the type of people that you could literally sit there for twenty four hours, and not open your mouth once, and just listen. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. The the history is there, and that that's why I think I would choose choose either of them because they've lived through the, the changes in, in country music, the changes in, in the world in general, like these guys, had, had, I know Johnny Cash is gone, but they, they had lived through so much. So I think it would definitely be an interesting experience. There'd be a lot of learning there as well. And, and it's always interesting to hear other musicians' approach to just life in general, hear their philosophies and, and go down that route with it, you know? Definitely, definitely. And the final one, so what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? <laughs> well, again, that is another tough one. <laughs> like just narrowing it down to one song. Oh my. Um let's see. I'd probably I always had such a soft spot for uh, Alone and Forsaken by Hank Williams. I think it was, and it's, I know it's a very kind of down, downer to, to kind of go on, but I think it's, for me, the emotion in that song, the the hauntingness of it, because it was recorded so early in the in kind of musical history. And it's, it's one of those ones I remember as well, hearing it and hearing that creepy emotion in it that, just sparked me to, to kind of use it. There's a lot of dark elements there. He touches on heartache. He touches on kind of desolate feelings. And, you know, we've all been, been teenagers and, and went through hardship and stuff. And I just feel listening to that, it, it gives a lot of memories to me and certainly shape the way I, I write. I just think it'd be a nice, and to me, it's a kind of a bittersweet song, you know. 
So mm. I think that's why I choose it. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking it, but it certainly <laughs> wouldn't be anything happy. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> wait for the movie. You can decide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking about talk about ending on a high note, huh? I know. I'm very sorry. Oh yeah, emotional roller coaster. I hope the I hope the next uh, the next guest is a happier one. <laughs> Listen, Walker. I feel like this one has been a very long time coming now and it did not disappoint. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a million. I'm really glad you got me on and uh, I look forward to uh, look forward to this one being out there. Thanks so much for having me. Backyard, every white I took a walk to the edge of a state line to see what I could find. Turns out that life over there is mine, the same as mine. Every joke has a enjoyed this episode if you did please rate and review us on itunes and spotify and if you're interested in signing up the band builder academy use the link in the show notes below and enter the code concerts and you'll receive 10 percent off so until next time keep rocking hey
Hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.